Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes... Although the penalties for the said breaches, pursuant to LI-2177 ranges between 600 Ghana cities to $10,000, the statement said the minister imposed the hefty fine due to the nature and the totality of the circumstance leading to the tragic incident. Government imposes $6 million fine on company that manufactured explosives that caused devastation in Apiati. We'll find out what this means to the sector. Also coming up, Supreme Court orders probe into the alleged assault on a court bailiff by bodyguard of beleaguered Asin North Member of Parliament, James Jachi Kwesin. And later on Eyewitness News, Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council returns from annual conference of church leaders with a call on government to fix lots of issues including corruption, security and poverty to prevent the country from slipping down the slippery slope of social upheavals like the ones being witnessed in the sub-region. Stay with 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, Ghana Revenue Authority assures of more automated systems to avoid leakages in the revenue collection process. That's in some 50 minutes with Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations, including Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, also Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani and Orange FM 107.9 in Kumasi, as well as Right FM 90.1 in Sumania. We are also on Holy FM 98.5 in Aflau. In the northern region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 in Yendi in the Upper East region. This is Word FM 88.3 in Zuarungu. And in the Upper West region, Bugli Radio 88.6 in Wa is bringing you this broadcast let's know what your views are on the issues that we've brought to you tonight zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six that's a whatsapp number zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six you can send tweets using the hashtag city newsroom tweet at umaru sanda or at city nine seven three and still on eyewitness news tonight the gadangbe youth going on a demonstration to challenge what they call unfair treatment by government agencies against one of their indigenous Daniel Macaulay and his Magdan Aviation. But first... A $6 million fine has been imposed on Magzam Ghana Limited, the company at the center of the explosion that occurred at Apiate in the Pristiahuni Valley Municipality of the Western Region. The government, through the Ministry of Land and Natural Resources, said the fine was imposed after the report of the three-member committee constituted to undertake independent investigations into the matter affirmed some regulatory breaches on the part of the company. The Apiate disaster killed 13 people, injured hundreds, and raised the entire community down. A Deputy Minister of the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, George Merkuduka, spoke to City News' Kojo Ajiman. Look into the matter, uh, one led by the revered Professor, Professor Mankwa, the Vice-Chancellor 
of University of uh, Mines and Technology. Uh, we've also set up a reconstruction committee that is to also um, reconstruct Apiati. And uh, we've also done lots of things that we believe will go a long way in supporting the people of Apiati. Uh, the ACT will also uh, consciously find out what happened and what ensued, and that has been uh, done. And as I tell you, uh, a fine has been slapped on Maxam. Uh, that is one million. That is administrative fine, as you correctly stated. If we go by the um, the um, tenets of the regulation two one two one seven seven, uh, we we'll obviously say that they are paying not more than ten thousand dollars. But looking at the totality of the conditions, uh, you agree with me that uh, they need to to be administratively fined, you know, to suit or to merit uh, what uh, transpired. Obviously, we may not uh, use money to, in a way, equate what uh, happened. It is clear, and uh, we've, lo li we've lost lives. Uh, so many things, properties and so many things, and we may not be able to quantify it, you know. So we, what we need to do is to critically look at the totality of it and get them fine. And that has been done, uh, and we believe uh, the minister at the appropriate time will bring Ghanaians as to the infractions and what end up to the fine. The extra five million dollars there, that one million is for administrative fines, what is the extra five million doing in there? Yes, the extra five million in total is the one million. The minister sought to separate for us to know that specifically they were fined. And uh, looking at the totality of the condition, we believed uh, they needed to pay extra five million. And that has also been uh, stated. And that we had a discussion as to the need for them to pay the five million extra. You've given them a, um, a grace period starting from March 2022. Exactly so. Uh, what are the consequences if they fail to um, go by this um, grace period? Uh, the consequences are clear. Uh, we've told them that uh, every month you need to pay um, uh, not less than 277,777.76 dollars. Uh, and that uh, should be paid before uh, their license will be, uh, you know, allowed uh, to be used. So it's a matter of they considering how much uh, to pay at the end of the month. And so before uh, they are uh, escorted or before they are allowed to escort their ammonium nitrate, they need to get it paid uh, at the beginning of the month. Are you not being heavy-handed on? Um because it contracted Josedek to do that. In the statement, the sanctions against Josedek is missing in there. Are you not being heavy-handed um, and leaving Josedek out? Um, um, Josedek, you mentioned in Josedek, uh, you know I told you uh, an investigative body was set up. Uh, Josedek, yes, uh, worked under the ambit of uh, Magsam, and therefore Magsam uh, is bearing uh, the consequences. However, the details of the report is not known to you, uh, but I will say that we've not, we've not been uh, uh, looking outside the basket uh, as far as the, the tragedy is concerned. So, Josedek will be also duly punished? Um, 
or that the report, liability will be borne by Magzan? That report will also be made clear to Ghanaians at the appropriate time. You heard Deputy Minister of the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, George Mriku Duka. Still on that story, Maxim Ghana Limited has reluctantly agreed to pay a hefty fine of six million US dollars imposed on the company by government. According to the company, although the breaches found by the sector minister did not cause the incident, the company had decided to pay the fine and comply with the measures imposed. On them. In a swift response, shortly after the minister's press release, Magzam said, based on a different interpretation of the law, they did not believe they committed any regulatory breaches. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's know what your view and response is uh, to this issue of uh, the fine against the company. Uh, this is an issue that came about. Um, some weeks ago, killing 13 people, injuring and displacing so many other people. Now, let me read for you um, some excerpts or excerpts of a press release by the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources on this subject. Uh, you've heard the Deputy Minister there, but just to give you the key highlights of what the government has said through the ministry, it says on Tuesday, February 1, 2022, the three-member committee submitted its report. Upon a review of the two reports, the ministry established regulatory breaches on the part of Magzam Ghana Limited, hereinafter referred to as Magzam, in respect of the manufacture, storage, and transportation of explosives for mining and other civil works. These breaches per LI-2177 attract fines ranging from 600 CDs um, to 10,000 United States dollars. Nonetheless, having regard to the nature and totality of the circumstances leading to this tragic incident, I, as a minister responsible for lands and natural resources, and therefore the overseer of activities in the sector, have imposed an administrative fine of the CD equivalent of one million United States dollars at the prevailing commercial rate on Maxam. In addition to the fine, it has been agreed, after extensive discussions with Maxam, that the company will pay to the government the CD equivalent of five million. United States dollars also at the prevailing commercial rate. For the avoidance of doubt, the total amount payable by Maxam to the government stands at six million United States dollars, or its the equivalent at the prevailing commercial rate. Maxam shall pay the fine of one million United States dollars, or its the equivalent at the prevailing commercial rate before the restoration of its permit to manufacture, store, supply, and or transport explosives. Given the demonstrable cash inflows of Maxam and their current circumstances, the remaining five million United States dollars shall be paid in eighteen equal monthly installments beginning from first March twenty twenty two to first August twenty twenty three. Maxam shall therefore pay to government on first March twenty twenty two and on every first day of each month until final payment an amount of 277,777 United States dollars and 78 may be subject to. Again, the ministry has given Maxam a set of measures to comply with as a condition precedent to the restoration of the permit of the company to manufacture, store, transport and or supply 
explosives. Now, the measures have been outlined by the ministry. 1. Maxam shall not transport explosives on a public road unless notice of the transportation has been given to the chief inspector of mines or the regional mines inspector at least 48 hours before the schedule time for transportation to enable the requisite inspection and certification to be carried out before the transportation of the explosions to a mine or a quarry site. Number 2. An inspector of mines and explosives shall be present, inspect, verify and record in the designated explosives logbook for transportation that all the requisite safety requirements, rules and protocols have been met before explosives are transported from the operational site of the company to a mine or quarry site. 3. An inspector of mines and explosives shall physically inspect the explosives track to ensure that the explosive track is in good working condition in accordance with the track examination list and that the truck driver has a professional driver's license to drive the vehicle before the loading of the explosives into the truck. 4. All trucks used by the company in cutting explosives shall have 1. A red flashing light clearly visible at least 100 meters away. B. A klaxon or siren hooter or automatically operated bell. C. An automatic fire suppression system alongside the fire extinguishers. D. A tracking system to monitor the speed and movement of the explosive track. E. An integrated monitoring system to check driver fatigue. F. A megaphone to warn people or bystanders in case of danger. And G. Drive cameras to monitor the explosive track drivers. Now, number five, the statement continues to say, before each explosive track takes off from the operational site of the company, the way bill for the transportation shall be endorsed by an inspector of mines and or explosives who shall be satisfied that the explosives are under the direct control of a person who has a certificate to, of competence in accordance with Regulation 15.2 of the LI-2177. Number six, all trucks transporting explosives must be accompanied by escort vehicles which shall be inspected by an inspector of mines and all the details recorded in the inspector's field book. Number seven, escort vehicles must have one, a red flashing light clearly visible at least 50 meters away and b, a klaxon or siren hooter or hooter or automatically operated bell. Number eight, the transportation of explosives on public roads shall have two escorts, one, leading the explosive one leading the explosive track and maintaining a distance of at least 50 meters and at most 60 meters uh, from the vehicle carrying the megaphone the explosives are beg your pardon with a uniformed and armed police officer and the other behind the explosive track maintaining a distance of at least 20 meters and at most 30 meters with an unarmed but uniformed police officer Competent persons accompanying explosive trucks shall notify the regional inspector of mines in the region upon arrival at their destination and indicate the arrival times in the designated logbook for the purpose. 10. The company shall not, unless otherwise expressly permitted by the chief inspector of explosives, transport ammonium nitrate and fuel oil that's unfor, on a public road to a mine or civil work site. Number 11. A person who drives an escort vehicle shall not drive faster than 60 km per hour. Number 12. A competent person's accompanying explosive shall be trained in the code of safe working practice, that is a code of safe operating procedure, for transportation of explosives along public roads and shall carry the code with them. Number 13. The explosives manager shall develop the code of safe working practice and the code shall be approved by an inspector. 
Now, number 14 concludes and says the transportation of ammonium nitrate from or to the operational site of a registered mine support service company with the requisite permits or to a mine site shall be regulated by LI-2177. For the avoidance of doubt, the above set of measures will apply fully to all other companies operating in Ghana in manufacture, supply, transportation and use of explosions, regulatory breaches and possible sanctions against Josidec Logistics Limited and Athens Enterprise and Transport Services. The two entities involved in the tragic incident are being reviewed and will be applied and communicated in due course. Additionally, the conduct of officials of the Minerals Commission and all related officials in the matter are being reviewed and further action will be taken where necessary. The Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources is putting in place all these measures to ensure that mining and mine support services are conducted in a safe and healthy environment that poses no danger to life and or property. In this regard, I have on Monday 7th February 2022 established a ministerial committee of inquiry under the chairmanship of Professor Richard Amankwa, Vice-Chancellor of the George Pab Grant University of Mines and Technology in Takwa 2, 1, undertake a general review of the health and safety regime in the mining industry, 2, review the existing laws, regulations and guidelines on health and safety standards in the mining industry, 3, inquire into any matter relating to health and safety in the mining industry and four make recommendations to government for legislative policy and other reforms it may deem fit the committee has one month from monday 7th february 2022 to present its report and submit its recommendation to government for reforms government assures the country that it will continue to take the appropriate measures to ensure uh, health and safety in the mining and mine support services industry and this is the end of the statement which is signed by abu samuel abdullah jinapo who is a um, member of parliament for damongo and minister for lands and natural resources this is eyewitness news on 97.3 ctf and we are coming to you from our studios in adabraka in accra stay with us because we have more coming your way please don't go away eyewitness news be there as it happens Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra and around the country and a number of affiliate stations and on citynewsroom.com globally. Now, the big story tonight is that the government has fined Magzam, the company that manufactured explosives in the accident that was recorded in Apiati, some $6 million, which they are supposed to pay over the next two years. There's a response from that company, Magzam. Magzam, the company that manufactures the explosives that were being transported in a vehicle by a subcontractor, Athens Logistics, when the tragic explosion occurred at Apiati, has had an unblemished record over more than 30 years of supplying explosives to the mining industry in Ghana and neighboring countries. Magzam recognizes the importance of its product for the value of, the, of Ghana and other countries derived from their natural resources, notably gold, and will continue to work with the mining industry and subcontractors involved in the transportation and use of these explosives to ensure safe handling and use. Magzam has been deeply saddened by the road accident and the loss of lives, injuries and extensive damage to property suffered by the Apiati community 
our hearts go out to the community members. Magzam has noted the findings made by the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources from its review of the tragic road accident and its assessment of how to avoid a recurrence. The ministry has determined that uh, there were certain breaches by Magzam in its operations and has imposed a fine of $1 million on the company. None of these breaches were the cause of the tragic road accident and all of them relate to the transport carried to the transport carried out by Athens Logistics. Based on a different interpretation of the applicable regulations, we believe that Magzam has not committed any of these breaches. However, to ensure the continuity of the business, to be able to supply our customers, to protect the employment of our workers and subcontractors, Magzam has decided to pay the fine and will comply with the measures of the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources. Given our commitment to Ghana and its welfare, Magzam has agreed to the payment of additional $5 million United States dollars or ECD equivalent. We are indeed saddened by the incident and we express our heartfelt sympathy to Ghana, particularly members of the Apiati community, for the loss of lives, property and livelihoods. Magzam will ensure it is in full compliance with the new regulatory measures announced by the ministry and will continue to conduct its operations in accordance with the laws of Ghana and international best practices. Magzam wishes to emphasize its sympathy with the Apiati community. And um, this is a statement that has been issued by Magzam and it gives some further information about the company. It said it was registered in 1993 as part of the internationalization of Magzam, former UEE, that's Union Española de Explosivos. The Takwa plant was licensed by Minco and commissioned in 1995. The plant was established with the Idua, Idua Priam concession mined during the, those days by Ghanaians australian goldfields as part of their transition to new technology and modernization and blasting techniques since then magzam ghana has expanded in africa serving as a hub and the technical support platform to the operations in the region one of the critical success factors of the expansion has been the contribution of highly skilled and trained local employees from ghana currently magzam supplies 30 percent of the ghanaian mining industry and employs directly around 200 ghanaians and around 80 indirectly magzam has had a long-standing relationship with the University of Mines and Technology in Takwa, which has enabled Magzam to create important knowledge synergies and hire many graduates, thus contributing to youth employment in Ghana. Magzam Ghana, since its inception, has never discontinued operations and has an unblemished safety record. So that's a statement issued by uh, Magzam um, to uh, res respond to the fine by the uh, government. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City. And while all of, of, of that is going on at the administration and top level, uh, let's see what is happening on the ground. The persons who were affected uh, by uh, the explosion. What is the state of affairs? Um, Luis Afo is Deputy NADMO Director, Pristian Huni Valley, Western Region. Mr. Afo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. The last time we spoke, you explained to us how you were relocating the people to some new makeshift areas you have created for them. We also know that there are plans to build permanent places for them and so on. What is the current status of the situation in your attempt to deal with the aftermath of the explosion in Apiati? Uh, good evening once again to your honorable listeners. Yeah, the last time we, I told you about how we were taking them to the relief camp, um, we have done that. And uh, as of that day, we moved 746 people from the um, uh, Bogoso Catholic Parish Hall to their place, aside of the male. The male adults were 
still at the uh, Golden Hotel. Um, since we got there, because we want to give them their life back, we, we try to share the food items for them. Instead, we, as we were supplying them food, we, we started giving them the items and they started cooking on their own just to make sure um, they, 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 they get their life back. So in that process, we have encountered a lot, uh, some of the things they need and the type of food they even want to eat. Some complain about more rice and they want to eat banku than other things. Uh, but um, uh, how uh, things are being managed, I can say 50-50. We are moving on over there. Just that the tent we have over there is not enough to accommodate anybody over there. So even the tent which is supposed to have um, eight people, eight people meaning uh, they, they don't have any luggage uh, along. But in this case, uh, we, we are to give it to six uh, people. That is a small family size. That is a household. And uh, with that, uh, I think they are managing the situation. And there was another tent which was donated by the GoFo's Ghana Limited. We are, they, uh, one room is supposed to also contain 10 people. But due to um, inadequate tents, we have managed to give it to almost 26 people for them to have a good living over there. Everything is moving on, although there's more challenges to encounter, but we are still moving on over there. I see. Uh, have any of the people put up their own structures or rehabilitated their own structures and are willing to move in, or everybody there is waiting and depending on the government facilities that are going to be provided? No. You see, that place we went to is a BGL um, site. They were doing the, this thing. Uh, 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 um, they were building that place for resettlement of a community called Udumase, Bogos Udumase. And as this incident occurred, the MC and the authorities uh, engaged on one table and they agreed to give the place to us as tempera. So even over there, we don't, we, we, there are rules and regulations we have to obey. We don't even burn rubbish over there. Uh, nobody is to do extension or establish anything because if they get, um, they started doing that things over there and when the time comes for them to move to another place, you know Ghanaians, it will become another problem unless you use soldiers on them. So we are managing the tent, even the tent as it is. We don't allow any electrical gadgets inside. And the one of the challenges is one is in the daytime, there is a heat maximum heat that one is in the night they also feel uh, very cool because uh, uh, it's a normal tent so that is the situation about uh, that no one is putting any temporal structures there we don't, we don't allow that okay now what is the status of the buildings being constructed or the projects being undertaken by government to house these people uh, are they completed are they still at the ground level yes I'm hoping tomorrow I'll give you maximum pictures about anything that I'm talking about today. Um, the place has been uh, finished um, like the, the The town was in two categories, old town and the new town. The old, the old town is uh, the, 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 the place which is close to the road. So all that place has been demolished. It has been cleared. The land is there now. 
and uh, it left with uh, the authorities to come today or tomorrow to start the work. Even today, we still receive uh, donations from uh, um, one of the mining companies, a uh, thousand bags of cement. We send it there, hoping any moment from now, the project will start and everything will be okay. But I, as I'm on, on ground, I'm just smelling something about people now trying to come with their papers. I was having a land here. I was having a land there. And so all, the, all those things will come. So if the people themselves come together uh, with how the MCU want the work to be done, I think perfectly uh, by a year time up to December, we are just praying we have their uh, community back for them. And not all the buildings uh, is going to be demolished and uh, rebuild it again. Uh, some of the buildings will be just um, maintained and uh, maybe roofing or having one or two things to be done about it and it's okay, it, it, they can, people can live in again. Is life returning to normal though? Are people going to the market, to the farm? Are people moving about using that particular road at the site where the accident occurred? Paint a picture for us how the town is looking. Oh, as for the town, now, the contractor who is doing the road has done very well, almost 90% done, but it's not completed. So they still use where we, we created for them. But as for our PRT people, they are indigenous Fanti people. So their most work is a Fanti Kenke, uh, Kenke, anything about uh, maize and those stuff. And since the incident happened, most of them lost their um, uh, cooking intensive, like the big pots and other things. And even their capital investment also um, vanished away. So um, mo many people are coming on grounds to see that these people will have their life back again. So the MC also is en engaging them to, for we to have those who are uh, uh, doing those things so that... Uh, uh, we can give them something small to study our work. Even the UNICEF told the MCU to uh, meet the people for. Hello, Mr. Afo? The, 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 the UNICEF told the MCU to uh, meet with the, community, uh, the people who are farmers so that they can help them with uh, farming uh, uh, tools like atlas holes and other things. So this afternoon, they met, and uh, we were discussing how we can find all the farmers, but as for the petty, petty traders, they still are the traumatized, they still there. Uh, even if you are in a car with them and something small, ready, ready, ready. So I think uh, it will take a little time before they can mm. uh, get their normal life back. You are a professional. I would presume, based on what you've just said, that these people would require some psychological uh, assistance. Don't you think so? Uh, I think there was talk of that. Has that happened? Yes. Since it's, uh, the incident happened, uh, the, the, the health director and the MCE recommended so they are these doctors from Accra. They are here since, uh, let's say, a week ago. And they are still there with the people every day they meet with. There was a lady who was to have his wedding on the uh, Saturday. And the incident happened on Thursday. 
and it, it wasn't easy for her. Uh, they, they have been with the lady, and now uh, you can see some, some smiles on his face. So, so the psychiatric people are here. Uh, 24-7 sick bay 2 is also there, and we are making sure everybody is responding to treatment. Even today, in the evening, let's say one hour past, uh, the guy who was at the Companochi Hospital, um, so injured, one of them came around with his, his receipt to meet the MCU for uh, the cost, uh, cost to be paid outside the hospital bill. So I think it's moving on slow. It shall be well. Thank you so much. No. Yeah. Yo, thank you, Director. Wish you all the best. Uh, that's the um, Pristia Huni Valley Director for the National Deputy Director for the National Disaster Management Organization in the Western Region, Louis Afo. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. In the Western Region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM. In Takradi, we are also in Takwa and other communities in the Western region as well as the Western North uh, region. Let's know what you make of all the issues, the conversation we've been having for you tonight. 0549 That's the WhatsApp number. Send us your message and the world will hear what you think. You can alternatively go on Twitter and drop your message uh, using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet directly at Umaru Sanda, that is with a U, or at City973, and uh, we'll share your views with the world. Let's go to issues having to do with Magdan Aviation now. Um, that company has been in the news the past two weeks or so since it intended um, to begin commercial or private operations of um, the private terminal at the airport, which is a private jet terminal. There's been a lot of controversy. Uh, the company has been prevented from going ahead by the appropriate state agencies. Uh, the company has issued a statement saying it will comply, but is seeking clarification from the appropriate authority, namely the Ghana Airport Company and so on, uh, to understand what the next step is. But while this is happening, a group of uh, Gadangbe youth is uh, planning a demonstration uh, over this particular issue. Ni Aiteama is convener for the Gadangbe elite. Mr. Ama, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, explain to us what your locus is, what's your interest, um, Gadangbe youth, in this in this debacle. Thank you, Mr. Sander, for this opportunity. Yeah, we have a very great interest in this issue because uh, Magdan, that is Daniel Macaulay, the CEO of Magdan Group, is a Gadangbe. And how he's been treated is not fair per our opinion. Why you... do I say so? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. First, the the terminal was there. And if McDonald don't have any contact with uh, Ghana Airport Company Limited, he can go ahead with the renovation works. He started renovation works not today. They were there. They saw everything going on before McDonald finished with the renovation works. To the extent of the uh, CEO of the company, that is Mr. Yaukwakwa, issued a letter to frontline, frontline health services, that is those who are in charge of this COVID testing at the airport. They issued a letter on the 25th to them to go ahead with test, COVID tests at McDonald Terminal 1. So uh, we, we don't understand the reason why on the day of the immigration of Terminal 1 in the McDonald Aviation, they issued a letter to stop McDonald from operation. And what worries me a lot 
is the fact that our traditional leaders were there, that is the government chair, and the other women were there, the, the people had to show some respect to our authorities. But they disregarded the, the, the presence of the authorities and brought national security operations to intimidate the people there, which is a very big disrespect to the, the, the Gadangbe tribe. So we took this from that aspect as well as Magdambina Gadangbe to take them on. And if they don't uh, comply with the directive we've given them, we'll give them, we, we hit the street. I see. Do you understand the reason Magdan was prevented from operationalizing the terminal? The, the ministry, uh, not the ministry, but the, the Ghana Airport Company has issued a statement and clarified all the matters, talked about financial issues, uh, lack of uh, clearance, and so on. Have you cited this letter? Yeah, issuing that letter is, is, is a trap. That is, is, a, is a motive that, that, like that. They, they, they start down and plan. It's a plan something. Why do I say so? Before issuing the letter to Frontline Health Services on 24th... You're, you're, referring, to front, you're referring to Frontiers. Yes, yeah, sorry, Frontiers, Frontiers. Yeah, the letter to Frontiers on 25th of January. Don't they know uh, McDonald has issues with financial issues? So why, why would you issue a letter to a company to direct them to, let's say, uh, take COVID tests at a terminal which you, you think they are, they've not met the requirement for operating that particular terminal. terminal. Does this make sense? Does it also make sense that you have not really given any reason beyond saying that he's um, a member of your ethnic group? Are you suggesting that that is why he was he was prevented from operationalizing the, the, the terminal? Because if that's the case, his name has been McDan from day one. They knew he was Gandangbe. Yeah. And they gave yeah. him all the clearance up to the level that he was terminated. No, uh, frankly speaking, the issues that they are bringing on board regarding the suspension, it's, it's frankly doesn't make sense. Why do I say so? When McDonald had had a contract with Ghana uh, Airport Control Limited, and he started with the revision of the terminal, you were there, uh, your security. Uh, issues and uh, surveillance and everything, you didn't see anything wrong with it. McDonald went through till he, he was down with the terminal. Till uh, luncheon time before you realize he has, he has breached uh, security protocols. Where, where will this sit in, in, in any meaningful Ghanaian? When is this your demonstration stated for? 18th of February. 18th of February. Have you got police clearance? It will happen. We 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 inform them and it will happen. Yeah. You've written to the police. Yeah. We 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 are yet to serve them the letter. We are written letter. We are yet to serve them the letter. Okay. Where where do you plan to do this demonstration? At the airport. We we have series of uh, issues like issues of series of uh, ways to demonstrate our 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 displeasure and not only demonstration. We 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 we, we have a plan of picketing at the airport as well as uh, demonstrating from the street of Akka to the Ministry of uh, Transport. Very well. Thank you. We'll keep an eye on your, your plans. Thank you for speaking to us. Yeah, thank you. That's Nia Itiyama. He's convener for the Gadangbi Elite. This is Elite. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Please stay with us. There's more coming your way. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
You're welcome back. The Supreme Court has directed its registrar, Matthew Antiaye, to submit a detailed report on an alleged assault and manhandling of a bailiff by a bodyguard of the disputed Member of Parliament for Asin North, James Jachikwesen. The seven-member court, composed of Justices Jones Duche, as President Nene Amegache, Gertrude Tokono, Yoni Kulendi, Agnes Doji, Mariama Ousu, and Professor Henrietta Mensabunsu, was told in open court of how the embattled member of parliament instructed his bodyguard to throw out the bailiff who had gone to serve him with court processes. The bailiff, Joshua Birming, in a sworn affidavit, said he arrived at Mr. Quayson's office at Job 600 Parliament House, where he introduced himself and declared his reason for the visit. Mr. Quayson, however, accordingly refused to entertain him and asked his personal assistant to show the bailiff out. According to the bailiff, the inability of the personal assistant to see him only got Mr. Jache ordering his bodyguard to throw him out. President of the court, Jones Doche, while ruling on substantive concern of the court's inability to serve Mr. Quayson with a summons, directed the court's registrar to submit a detailed report on the matter to the court. The report will, in turn, be forwarded to the Chief Justice for an investigation into the alleged assault and manhandling of an officer of the court. Now, a broadcast journalist with Power FM, Oheneba Bwama Beni, has been jailed for 14 days after he was found guilty of contempt of court. The broadcaster was hauled to the High Court after he was captured on tape alleging that President Akufuado, after the December polls in 2020, met with some eight judges, including the Chief Justice. He accused the President of attempting to influence them in case of any election petition. The Attorney General, who led the the prosecution argued that the culprit ought to be penalized to deter others from making such statements. The presiding judge on the case, Justice Elfrida Denchi, found him guilty and fined him 3,000 Ghana cities. The director in charge of operations at XYZ Media Group, who spoke to City News after the judgment, says they will soon take a decision on whether to appeal the sentence. Yeah. The story started from a Facebook post of Hinebabuama Benny, who's a staff of XYZ Broadcasting, and done. So he did a private Facebook post in which he said he had picked information from a Ghanaian based in the US, suggesting that the president, Nana Kufado, had had a private meeting with some judges, and there was every indication that these judges were the ones going to sit on the election petition case, and they were most likely going to be influenced to rule in favor of the NPP. And so when this Facebook post went viral, he was detained for two days and subsequently charged. And the case has been dragging since. And today in the ruling, the judge said she had been lenient. He's going to spend two weeks in jail and pay a fine of 3000 The lawyer Kujoga Adawudu sought to plead with the court, but the judge said she had made up her mind. And as we speak, Oheneba is being prepared to take his COVID test and then subsequently go to serve his turn. Pending any further action by the lawyer after getting a full copy of the ruling for a possible review or otherwise. 
You heard the director in charge of operations at XYZ Media Group, Eric Ahiano. A journalist with Connect FM in Takwadi in the western region, Nanajatua, says the IGP has called to assure him of swift investigations into an assault on him by some plainclothes security personnel. Nanajima was on Thursday attacked and beaten by suspected plainclothes security personnel for filming them with some suspects in handcuffs at God is Love Eatree in Takwadi. He was subsequently sent to the Western Regional Police Command where his statement was taken. Nanajantua was later identified as a journalist and granted police inquiry bail. Speaking to City News, he indicated that the IGP has assured he will look into the matter. In the trouble, I could not take any any videos or pictures. So when they came uh, to the uh, to the car park, I decided to take some pictures. I was even hiding, but then I think one of them spotted me, and then he immediately rushed uh, uh, on me, and then he demanded that I give him my phone. So I denied that that was it. I denied I, because I did not know them. Okay. And I did not know where they were taken. And they did not even introduce themselves to me that they are police officers. So I denied. So immediately I denied. One, he called his other guys and they came. And that is when the beating started. Big man. But they were all beating me. The IGP has called me. Uh, George Kufudampare has called me and said I should not worry. Uh, He will handle the case from there. So as you just as you relax. So he has called me. He said he will he will handle the case from there. Nanajima is a journalist with Connect FM in the Western Region. Now, the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament is seeking the assistance of Interpol to track a former teacher at the Pantang Nurses and Midwifery Training School over unearned salaries amounting to 70,000 Ghana cities. The teacher, who did not return after leaving the school for a study leave, uh, do not return the support and funds offered her by the institution. During a sitting of the Public Accounts Committee, Chairman James Aveji issued a directive for the culprit to be tracked and made to pay the said amount. They say 59,000, which means that even what, yeah, getting to 70,000. So now, Madam, you have to contact the um that the director of interpol provided the necessary information about her i'm sure you know where she's living now so that they can track her if any relative what's the name of the lady and uh, who was a teacher was she a teacher Yes, please. Who was a teacher at uh, Nursing and Midwifery Training College, Pantan, who left and earned over close to 70,000 Ghana cities salary that she knew that she wasn't entitled, yet she received the money. We are getting the director of Interpol to track her and get her. That was Chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, James Aveji. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. 
Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Nettie. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Revenue Authority, GRA, has assured that it is on course to automate its systems to block all leakages in the collection of revenue in the country. At the Public Accounts Committee sitting yesterday, the Auditor General's report disclosed that between 2015 and 2017, the GRA failed to account for 1,719 auction vehicles, which amounted to a loss of over 25 million Ghana cities. The GRA in its defense explained that the development occurred due to the use of a manual auction system. But the Commissioner General, Reverend Amisha Dai Owusu Amo, assured that the committee, with the adoption of a new automated system, is seeing to it that such infractions do not happen again. We are automating the process and we are far advanced. In fact, we are expecting that before the end of this month we will have finished the process. And with the automation that we are doing, we expect that this problem will significantly, in fact, even not completely eliminated. For example, we've talked about this under check that we used to have a lot of times. Once you have automated the system, it completely vanished. We have talked about issues of reconciliation between banks. And at that time, we had just two banks. Yes, we had reconciliation problems. But today, we have automated. We have 22 banks, and we don't have reconciliation problems. But when we had two, and it was manual, we had reconciliation problems. In the same way, as we are automating this process, we are confident that it will remove because the digitalization will help us to remove these problems. And that's where we are moving to. As far as the revenues are concerned, as they identify this uh, transaction we, we, we talked about, it means that, for example, if the vehicle was reverted to the, uh, the original owner and the original owner had to take the vehicle, it means that he paid the duty. And therefore, it will also be accounted for at the same time when we are doing the reconciliation. So all the reconciliations that are being identified are supported with the duties that have been paid or the auction amount that was paid. That was the Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Amishadai Owusu Amwa. The World Bank plans to invest a minimum of $1 billion over the next four years to help create a strong private sector and support reform programs that will lead to job creation in the country. This is according to the World Bank Vice President for West and Central Africa, Usman Diagana. According to him, the over $1 billion facility is part of a new country partnership framework expected to be presented to the World Bank Group Board on 22nd February 2022 for necessary approval. Usman Diagana spoke during a press briefing in Accra. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, the World Bank will be presenting to the, its board a new country partnership framework, country, country partnership strategy. And one of the key goals of this strategy is to create conditions for a strong private sector-led growth, build resilience of a population, economy, and community create support reform program that will lead to job creation and obviously uh, to secure is a development path that Ghana is going through. The partnership is being employed for uh, three or four years, so it provides financial support to Ghana for that period. I think I would say on average we intend to mobilize as a bank on average about one billion Right. On average, uh, yeah. So uh, and those have to go to specific program in number of uh, areas: uh, energy, education, uh, health, agriculture, etc. We also want to contribute in helping Ghana anticipate and address 
some of the challenges that it faces. I mentioned the geographical context uh, in which Ghana is currently. That was the World Bank Vice President for West and Central Africa, Usman Diagana. As the conversation of the downgrading of Ghana's economy by ratings agencies Fitch and Moody's continues, tax consultant Dr. Alex Ampabing says now more than ever the government must pass the tax exemptions bill. Ghana's long-term issue and senior unsecured bond ratings, for instance, was downgraded from CAA1 from B3. The downgrade is due to ineffective revenue generation, which affects the government's expenditure and ability to pay its debt. Dr. Ampabing stressed that the situation can improve with the passage of the tax exemptions bill, which will help reduce the revenue the government loses to tax exemptions. It's time to get exemptions bill passed. So at the end of the year, we're able to report on the exemptions to see, one, which exemptions need continuing, which one needs modification, or which one needs to be abolished completely. Because without having a proper reporting regime for our exemption system, we don't know what is working and what is not. We don't have any cost-benefit analysis in granting exemptions. So it is time that we need to take this serious. Government data is showing that from 2010, when we are granting 392 million Ghana City to 2018 when we granted 4.6 billion. This is government's data. But strangely, data from the IMF on the Article 4 consultation, which was released last year, 2021, is on their website on page 52 of the document. It's actually suggesting that Ghana gives away 4 to 5% of its GDP in exemptions, most of which are really not justifiable exemptions to give away, according to the report. 4 to 5%, that's about 18 to 20 billion Ghana CD granted every year in the form of exemptions. Here we are, we are chasing a levy, which is projecting to give us 6.9 billion, three times the value of our exemptions. Sadly, the exemptions bill has been in parliament since 2019, and the appetite to pass it is not there. That was a tax consultant, Dr. Alex Mpabing. The Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation says it will ensure responsible mining of bauxite as part of its commitment to adhere to international best practices. Rockshaw International and a partner company, Sahara Mining Consultants, have begun prospecting activities to confirm commercial bauxite deposits in the Nininin and Pasasu range in the Ashanti region. Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation, who paid a working visit to the Nininin Block B in the Ashanti region, says the mining of bauxite in Ghana will not be done to the detriment of the environment. City News' Ashanti regional correspondent, Hafiz Tijani, has more. The Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation, JIDEC, is currently undertaking four projects which have been executed under the integrated aluminium industry. The objective is to build a fully integrated aluminium industry which includes bauxite mining, alumina refinery and smelting. Officials of JIDEC, led by its chief executive officer, Mike Lanza, were embarked on a working visit to the project site say JIDEC and its partners will ensure responsible and environmentally friendly bauxite mining in these communities. First of all, adhering to international best practice. 
were also being supervised by the regulatory agencies in Ghana. So whether it's Water Commission, EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, Forestry Commission, etc. All these have regulations that we have to uh, work with. And then the international best practice allows us to make sure that what we're doing is uh, leading edge in terms of what is happening in, in bauxite mining. And that's what we want to do in terms of reforestation, in terms of responsible management of the environmental issues around mining. The partners we've selected have committed to mining in this way. And that is what we're going to be doing. And that is what, of course, we're going to be judged by. So, so it's going to be very important that uh, we maintain the, the standard. He also spoke about processes to build a refinery at the range. For the sake of discussion, uh, a refinery takes, uh, say, four or five years or so to build. During that time, we'll allow export of mining. But it will all be part of the plan. So we don't have a situation where, you know, in 10 years' time, people are still mining and, and exporting bauxite out of Ghana. We want it refined. And we are retrofitting Valco so that we will have a capacity to produce at least 300,000 tons of primary aluminum in Ghana. And that is what will drive industry, will drive downstream industries, will employ a lot of people. A supervising geologist with Sahara Mining Consultants, Felix Aziz Thompson, explains that technical assessment shows prospects within the range are encouraging so far. That was a report filed by City News' Ashanti Regional Correspondent, Hafiz Tijani. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettelinetti. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, we hear from the churches or church leaders who are worried about the state of affairs in the country and asking government to deal with the issues to prevent social upheavals. We also hear from the Minister for Roads and Highways. the accident rates recorded last year and how he's planning to convert tow booths into washrooms or urinals. But before then, uh, just um, before business news, Eno brought you, Eno Safo brought you the story about a journalist or a practitioner with uh, XYZ Broadcasting was under the custodial sentence. The company, XYZ Broadcasting Company Limited, issued a statement and it says management of XYZ Broadcasting is shocked at the custodial sentence slapped on Ohineba Buama Beni plus a fine of 3,000 Ghana cities or an additional two-week jail term for contempt of court. Management, through our lawyers, will review the ruling and take the necessary steps as will be advised. We wish to assure staff and general public that this ruling will not dampen our collective resolve and commitment to speak truth to power. Ohiniba Buama Beni, or Beni, who is kindly and well, is in good spirit and we pledge to stand by him and his family during these trying times and pray that he gets the best of protection while he's in the custody of the state. Signed, Beni Anti. 
CEO of XYZ Broadcasting Company Limited. On the phone lines now, the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council has returned from a retreat or a conference at the Pentecost Convention Center, Gomua Fete. That conference was from 1st to 4th February 2022, and it has come bearing advice. Reverend Emmanuel Tema Bariga is General Secretary of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council. Reverend, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. I've just told my audience that you have returned bearing advice to governments. Let's, let's hear these advices that you're returning with. Or observations oh, well, I... that you made that you are advising governments to act on. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, we have maybe three or four pieces of advice for the government in the communique that we issued after our conference. Now, the first one is uh, with regards to the current strike by the University Teachers Association of Ghana, UTAC. And what we are advising government to do is to uh, sit down with the UTAC and to find an, an amicable solution to uh, their concerns so that uh, they can return to their classroom and so that academic work on our campuses uh, can uh, go on. Uh, we uh, also uh, commended the government for uh, the various initiatives that they have uh, taken to uh, encourage the youth to acquire skills which will make them employable. And we are suggesting to the government that the TVET policy uh, would be a better way of carrying out uh, that objective. Uh, so we were suggesting to the government that if they could consider the free TVET policy, uh, and in doing so, if they can call maybe a stakeholders conference uh, to get the views of various stakeholders so that they can proceed with the program uh, so that it can help in the area of uh, youth employment. Uh, you know, the problem of the youth unemployment is a, a time bomb on which we are sitting, and if we are not careful, it can degenerate into something that will not be pleasant for uh, all of us. And then we also uh, took note of the increasing cases of corruption and mismanagement of public funds as revealed by the 2020 Auditor General's uh, reports on MMDEs and uh, some states' own uh, enterprises. And we are being called to 
uh, pay or to yeah to pay e levy uh, so that the government can raise funds for developmental uh, issues. Uh, so we are saying that if we we lose twelve billion cities uh, through the misapplication, misappropriation, and embezzlement of public funds, and we are uh, looking for six uh, billion in terms of e levy. Uh, we should make every effort to plug all the loopholes that may be there uh, so that the money that we are going to collect through the e-levy may also not leak out uh, through those uh, loopholes, uh, through those uh, uh, leakages. Uh, so that we be, even without collecting the e-levy, if we are able to plug the loopholes, it means we can save substantial amount of money uh, to carry out the developmental projects uh, that the government would like to. So I think in brief, these are... And so the suggestions that we brought to the attention of the government from our conference. How, how worrying are these uh, concerns of yours? Um, there's a part of your statement where you mention social upheavals. That sounds scary, especially when you discuss what's happening in the sub-region. Yeah, well, that is in connection with the state of cruise that we hear of in the sub-region, in Mali, in Guinea, and uh, recently in Burkina Faso. Uh, the situation in Guinea-Bissau, uh, is still uh, not very stable. Yeah, so uh, we are cautioning the government, uh, even though we see that they have deployed uh, military personnel to our northern borders to uh, stop any infiltrations. Uh, our borders are quite porous, so we are advising that uh, the government should take measures to prevent the entrance of these jihadists uh, and terrorists who come to cause problems so that they will not come in and, you know, infiltrate our the ranks of our youth and cause any problems in our country. Now, when you issue communiques like this and you advise government, do you also follow up by going to see the Jubilee House or contacting officials in government? Because this may be reported by the media, but what if um, no action is taken? Do you sometimes proceed to communicate to the government directly? Sure. We are constantly in communication with the government on uh, some of these issues. We uh, talk to the government every now and then. It's not been quite long. I think it's only barely over two weeks now when we went to the Jubilee House to see the president on the uh, E-Levy policy. Yeah, so we are in constant interaction with the government on some of these issues. When you mention E-Levy, that's an issue that has divided the nation. That's if you consider that the two political parties have divided the nation. Does the church say to the government that take this position or you are advising for consensus? What kind of approach does the church use in dealing with the, with the government when it comes to standoffs with opposition parties? Now we are appealing to the government to use the means of dialogue and, and the building of consensus. As we think that is the best way uh, to go uh, because we think that the issues of payment, payment of tax are also issues of numbers. Uh, so if you are able to convince majority of the people to come on board, you can rake in more money. But if you are not able to convince the majority and, you know, uh, some people back out because of the policy that has been introduced. The government will not be able to rake in the money that intends to, to rake in. So we think that the best way to go is to continue with the dialogue and also to build consensus so that uh, uh, everybody will come on board or most of the people will come on board. Now, you realize that it isn't only 
uh, partisan matter. It's, it is only it isn't only the fact that those on the NDC side are opposing and those who are if you look at the people who are talking and who are bringing up their suggestions, some of them are, well, even though they may not be uh, card-bearing members of the NPP, some of them uh, speak in favor of the government uh, most of the time. Uh, I hope you're not asking me to mention names anyway. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that it's not NDC or NPP. Uh, this one is for Ghana. So we must try as much as possible to bring all Ghanaians on board yeah, so that the government will be able to raise the amount of money that it intends uh, to raise through the ELV. Should that be understood to mean that the council is in support of the introduction of the ELV? Uh, no, please. Uh, we, are not, we are not saying that we support the introduction of the ELV. What we are saying is that the fact of the matter is that government needs money for developmental purposes. The way it will raise the money must be matter, matters of discussion among the general population so that we all agree, whether it is E-levy or whatever, whatever it is. Whatever tax measure the government wants to introduce, we uh, encourage them to get everybody on board because the more people uh, who are convinced and pay the tax, the more the revenue that they will get. So whether it is E-levy or any other uh, tax, if they don't get the stakeholders on board, uh, they will not be able to raise the amount of money that they are uh, hoping to raise. Do you, do you get the sense the government is listening? A listening one? <laughs> well, we, uh, we heard recently uh, uh, that the government has agreed to come down from 1.75 to 1.50. Well, that is uh, a good step, yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, they can still continue to listen to the people and see if that is uh, what the people want. And if that is what the people want, hey, well. then they, they will go ahead with it. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's Reverend Yimano Tema Bariga, General Secretary of the of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council, and uh, that is a summary of the uh, communique issued by the council after a retreat, which is uh, partly advising government on a number of issues that have to be dealt with. <laughs> Let's not turn our attention to the Roads and Highways Ministry. The Minister Kwesi Amakwata, who is Member of Parliament for Etiwa West, has been speaking about the statistics recorded in terms of road accidents and also talking about converting the now redundant toll booth into urinals. So if you're on a highway, maybe you're going to Tema. And a trotro, get to the tow booth. Just say to the mates, mate in Pacho, Messi. Well, not really. You're actually getting down to urinate, not to get down completely. Or if you're going to Kasua and you get to the tow booth, you can, you can just tell the trotro driver to hold on. You want to, you want to get down and pee uh, before the journey continues. So, well, depends on if you're on the OEB stretch going to Dodoa or somewhere, you can stop. Essentially, you're going to Akosombo, you stop at Afenya. Or you get to the Adomi Bridge, there's a tow booth in the middle there. You get down and do your own business. Let's listen to the minister himself. This is not the first time that such a statement has been made 
on road accidents in our country. And I wish that we do not experience this kind of unfortunate development as we go ahead and go forward as a country. Mr. Speaker, as much as accidents may be unavoidable completely, it must be reduced to the barest minimum. But there is one important thing that everybody and all of us must bear in mind. Scientific studies have proven that if we take the causes of accidents in totality and put them together, almost 98% is attributed to the human factor. People drink, drive, vehicle owners don't do regular maintenance to check their, their vehicles, people overspeed, people overtake vehicles at wrong places, and so on, resulting in fatalities, and it is unacceptable to lose even a single soul on our road, if possible. Mr. Speaker, I am not reminding all of us in our country of our past sorrows. But in 2021, among the accidents that the nation recorded, there were two major fatal accidents. One happened on the Kintampo Road that affected almost 50 people. The majority of them died. Over 30, 35 of them died from one accident. And a second accident also happened on the Kekos Road in that same year. And it also came over 40 lives and so on. And as a country, it's unfortunate that as government tries to improve the quality of our roads. Regrettably, we experience increase in accidents. And all of us are desirous, all of us are anxious, all of us are crying for good roads, and rightly so. If government were to have all the resources and the capabilities, every single road in our country, every road lying everywhere in our country must be worked on. And it has become really clear the steps being taken by the government under the leadership of the President of the Republic, Nana Adudankwa Ekufuado, of how roads are being improved in all the 16 regions of our country. In all the 261 districts of our country, in all the 275 constituencies in our country, we must enjoy these roads. As we improve roads, they should not be claiming lives. And 
this is the spirit behind the policy of government now of attempting to dualize all major trade roads in our country. At the moment, there are as many as six trunk roads earmarked for dualization, and about four of them, there are contractors on them at the moment. It is the policy of government to complete the Accra Kumasi dualization within the second term of His Excellency Nana Abudankwa Ekuwad. And this is a policy that will be embarked upon by government to make sure that vehicles don't cross each other because some of these fatal accidents usually occur through collusion of vehicles. But this particular accident occurred in town and the vehicle ran off the road and caused major damage, even including destruction of human lives. I want to use this opportunity to advise our traders in this country, our mothers, our sisters, our brothers who pride their trade and want to sell their wares even on walkways in our towns and cities. The walkways are made and paved for pedestrians. But oftentimes in all the major cities of our country, Accra, Kumase, Tamale, Takrade, Kofori Dua, Nkoko, Ho, Takrade, everywhere, Mr. Speaker. Traders have taken over all the walkways. So any unfortunate accident in town will always claim lives and destroy property. As we move forward, we must be careful and drivers must take into consideration the need to maintain their vehicles. It is being alleged that this accident resulted as a result uh, occurred as a result of brake failure. Allegedly, Mr. Speaker, if that was the situation. It means that it depends the practice of our drivers for not regularly attending to their vehicles. But at times it's due to careless driving. But the easiest excuse for every driver involved in an accident, whether he was driving carelessly or not, the easiest excuse, Mr. Speaker, is to say that it was due to a brake failure. And this should not be allowed. This should be stopped. And again, regrettably, accidents occur on very good roads, even where road furniture is provided. Mr. Speaker, the Kintampo accident 
end the Cape Coast Road accident that I referred to a short while ago, Mr. Speaker, occurred at spots and places which we can say that you know, represent the best stretch of our roads with road line markings, you know, well made, with crash barriers provided, with safety measures taken on the roads and all road signs provided. But irrespective of that, these fatal accidents occur. So it's not all the time that accidents occur because there is lack of road furniture. Even where they are provided, this is where we experience you know, a lot of these road accidents. And saying so, Mr. Speaker, we must also be watchful, every Ghanaian, and to advise our unpatriotic brothers in most cases who go about you know, stealing some of this road furniture, cutting them and selling them as scraps. Mr. Speaker, this is a major problem with the Ministry of Roads and Highways. We install all kinds of road furniture Hardly would they last for the week, and they are all stolen by by people who live among us. At times we see them, we know them, but as Ghanaians, a typical of us, we fail to report to the police. Mr. Speaker, at this point, I even want to urge the police occasionally and randomly they should visit some of these scrap dealers and perhaps my ministry should take the leadership of it and wherever we find any of these road furniture pieces among the scraps being sold by the scrap dealers I think we should begin to arrest people so that all the road furniture provided with the taxpayers' money will be left to serve their purposes on our trunk roads. And my ministry and the government of President Akufuado will continue to improve the roads and will continue to do whatever it takes to make the roads safer for our people. But the ultimate safety is in the hands of drivers, pedestrians, and all of us. Yeah. It is our prayer that this fatal accident will never be repeated in our country. Ignorant about what he's talking about, Mr. Speaker. Ah. Mr. Speaker, he is quoting from from graphic of daily reportage. It was an interview. It's just a small portion that has been turned out. You haven't had the opportunity to listen to the whole interview. Mr. Speaker, I was speaking to the press and they wanted to know the future of all the togus. And among others, I said the ministry has
price, and government has price. We are thinking of a, a, a lot of uh, ways to put the tobus. And uh, among them, I said that even the current tobus, we have about 38 of them you know, at various vantage points in the country. And as part of it, we are even going to improve the, the sanitary situation at all these places. For instance, and I, 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 I said among other things that, that for instance, for instance, on the highway, and, and we all see it all the time, vehicles stop indiscriminately, and, and drivers, passengers get down, get down, and people, we see people urinating everywhere in this place. It's so indecent. So, if among other things, we use this period to improve the sanitation uh, uh, situation at this tobus. No, we would even allow drivers to stop in case passengers want to use that facility, among other things. No, it wasn't a statement that I made, you know, it wasn't a, a report, it, it, it was an interview, but that portion was paid. We have the Etiwa West Member of Parliament and Minister for Roads and Highways, Christian Mwakwata, there in the House of Parliament. Well, that will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado Production by Sixtus Don Ulo, Zoe Abubeidu Ado, Beverly, London. Technical support from Daniel Scratchy. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening to 97.3 CTFM Relevant Radio, always. <laughs>